right, so we're recording now. Um, I guess we'll start. Thank you for coming on. Um, your name is Isabella, correct? Yes, Isabella. All right. Um, and you're from Monterey down in Mexico. Yes. Um, give everybody a, uh, I guess, a quick overview of you and what you do and all that. Well, I am a law student in Mexico. I'm very passionate about history, culture. I love languages in general. So everything that has to do with community, with how society works, I absolutely adore all of that aspect of humanity. And particularly, well, Monterey is one of the biggest cities in Mexico. We're three main cities, which is Mexico City, which is the capital, um, mm -hmm. Guadalajara, which is one of the most culturally enriching cities in all of Mexico, and Monterrey. We are what most consider the economic capital because mm -hmm. most businesses have grown out or have started in Monterrey that are of national reach in Mexico. We're far north, very close to the United States, about two hours away from the frontiering car. So most of us speak a mix of Spanish and English. A lot of people say we speak a lot of Spanglish here. Yep. And that's basically a brief and very fast overview of the context. Well, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and let you know right now for you and any other uh, Hispanic viewers or listeners that watch this, I don't know Spanish at all, so I will probably butcher some of the words that I attempt. And don't worry, apologies. I might butcher <laughs> words in English, so we're even. All right, so we'll be good there. Um, but I was looking, one of the things I was looking at, because like you said, um, I did see that Monterey was the one of the um, most developed cities down there in Mexico and definitely has the, uh, what was it, a... Uh, the economy, I think it was number one in the economy that you guys had. But one of the things that intrigued me for sure that I want to talk to you about was you spoke of the Jewish community down there. Yes. Which up up here, you know, in, in America, like when we watch TV and, and movies and everything, and if, if it's anywhere related down there in South America or Mexico, if it's Hispanic at all, we're always shown, if religions mention, the Catholic aspect of it. Nothing, I mean, it makes sense that there are others, obviously, but it's not really what's spoken about up here. So that definitely intrigued me for sure. Can you speak a little bit about that? Well, of course, and it actually has to do a lot with the history of my city because, well, we all know that Mexico used to be a Sp Spain's colony. So it started as New Mexico, well, no, as New Spain, um, Nueva España was the colony name. It included Texas. It included a lot of parts of what are right now United States and mm -hmm. all the way through to Central America and a lot of colonies further below in South, in South America. Mm -hmm. So the thing is, around the early years of the colony, mm, a lot of people who migrated were actually Jewish. Uh, particularly Jewish Sef Sephardis. I don't know how to pronounce that correctly in English, but there's different, according to where the community of Jewish people comes from, their names. So usually we hear of Sephardi Jewish when we're talking about like this Ibero Peninsula, which is Spain, Portugal, all of that, or the Ashkenazi Jewish, which are, which are more from the Polish, German side. So it depends yeah. on the community, right? And here in Monterey currently, 
it's expected that around one in every 10 people living here have their ascendancy of um, Sephardi Jewish. So it's a lot of the community. And recently yeah. we started seeing a spike of people who identify as such because Spain started um, granting or recognizing the nationality of all this um, Sephardi Jewish descendants who were okay. expelled from Spain. So mm. a lot of them were escaping the Spanish Inquisition when they came over yeah. to Mexico. However, Mexico was still part of Spain. So in here we also had the Inquisition. Just that a lot of them held this, um, they still continued to practice in secret. And for example, one of the people who helped build the original boats, uh, Maria La Pinta, La Santa Maria, which Columbus yeah. came to America and discovered the Americas with, was actually Jewish. He was trialed in the, in the Spanish Inquisition. Okay. So the first founding fathers of the city of Monterrey uh, who were granted land were of Jewish origin. However, mm. they started practicing the Catholic religion to disguise their Jewish origin, yeah. to not be followed by the Spanish Inquisition. And that's why a lot of these aspects have been forgotten, because right now, Nuevo León, the whole area, is actually quite Catholic, and we're very Catholic practicing, because the family started to teach their children and all the close-knit community to practice the Catholic religion to avoid this persecution and possible yeah. death, right? Um, so... What happens in Monterrey is that even though the religion that started being practiced most was Catholic, most mm. of our roots can be traced back to the Jewish origin. So a lot of our traditions, or a lot of our food is of Jewish origin. And a lot of people from here from Monterrey don't actually know that. For mm. example, tortillas, right? Mexican okay. tortillas, tacos. You usually, when you imagine the tortilla, you imagine um, made of like corn. Basically, corn or flour, yeah. The flour one is from us, from Monterrey, from the northern area, which is basically bread without yeast, which is yeah. a Jewish plate. I, which, like, I prefer the flour ones better anyways. Exactly, they're very good, but it essentially came to be because Mexico used to eat a lot of tortillas, and when this Jewish culture comes here and they want to become a part of this Mexican culture, well, in the moment, Spanish colony culture, they started adapting their plates to what usually could be eaten here. So that's how the flour yeah. tortilla is born. Or, for example, most of Mexico, like if you go to Sonora, if you go to other areas, what they eat heavily is cow meat, right? Mm -hmm. We also eat a lot of cow meat. We love our carnes asadas, which is basically barbecues. Yeah, yeah. I'll look at that. Yes, we're very fans of that. But our like cultural dish is cabrito, which is That's kind of more goat. like yes, more yes, like I'll goat, that, yes. which is also a very heavily inspired Jewish tradition. Okay. So our city actually it is thought that it's socially developed differently from other cities in Mexico and why it had its very high and fast development within the <laughs> industrial aspect yeah. was because of all of these Jewish traditions. We know Jewish people to be very hard workers, very dedicated, very passionate. And the city is heavily involved. The three main founding fathers were um of Jewish Sephardis, and right now all this history is being undercovered, which wasn't before. Yeah. 
that so okay. that's kind of like the intro, yeah, yeah. I think. More like questions could go now. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, one of the things I was looking at, because uh, you brought up, uh, the, the, and again, my apologies for butchering the language, um, mm -hmm. uh, un uncovering all those things, and with the food, the, the carne asada, and I'm not even going to try and pronounce the goat thing. Um, but I did look into that, and that it looked. I had a picture pulled up. It looks delicious, that's for sure. Um, but one of the things I think it was more of the holiday towards Hanukkah. It was like a fried bread cheese thing. A fried bread cheese thing. Yeah, I might Do be wrong. Do you have the name? I was not able to. I found it when I was at work. I was not able to find it again while I got home. Or have you seen the picture? Maybe I know what you're talking about. Okay, well, we'll try that uh, later on afterwards. And um, but one of the things uh, I, I did find, because you were talking about, you know, they're uncovering a lot of the old traditions, a lot of the old um, history. I was looking into the indigenous history, if you know anything about that, and something about the, and again, I'm probably wrong here. Yes. Well, my wife said it's probably pronounced Kikimekas. Chichimekas. Oh, see, I was right. <laughs> I told yes. her Chichi as well, and she said it's probably not right to say Kiki. No, um, it's it's actually Chichimekas. They're, yes. Well, they are a lot from Nuevo León and Coahuila. So Nuevo León and Coahuila a long time ago with Texas used to be like a single state, right? Okay. So Chichimekas actually traveled a lot um through the mountains, well, they're not really mountains, more like small valleys and the mountains are in Nuevo León, but there's kind of like small hills between Coahuila and okay. Nuevo León. And so they used to travel in that area. They were kind of nomadic of nature, but not of very big sparses of land like other yeah. indigenous groups in Mexico that used to travel very long distances to Chimecas. They didn't really bother with that. They usually stayed in the Sierra Madre, which is the big mountains that we have here in Nuevo León. Um, they were natives to the red region. Actually, there's not a lot of information about them. Yeah. Because the area, particularly where cities developed in here in Coahuila and Nuevo León, is very desertic. So, like, it's very desert, it's very dry, it's not very easy to cultivate or to create, like, a, yeah. um, a sedentary, I think it's a word in English, a sedentary lifestyle. I got you. Um, but the first settlers did actually have this... Um, this meeting of cultures, right, with the Chichimecas. And the thing with Mexico in general, with the mixture of cultures, is that we used to have a really marked um, race division. It's still, you can still see social issues regarding from that. But, for example, if you were from Spain and you were born in Spain and you came to Mexico to live in La Nueva España, because Mexico didn't exist yet, you were considered a peninsular. So you come from the peninsula um, okay. and you had like a higher social economical status above other people. And then if you uh -huh. were from Spanish parents who were peninsulares, but you were born in Nueva España, you were considered castizo. So you were already like a social level below that. And then if you were a mixture between indigenous and castizo, you were mestizo. So you were even lower than that. And to the very bottom, there were the indigenous people in this social yeah. structure of the colony 
which I think happened in a lot of countries, but especially in Mexico, it was very ingrained um, with a mixture of um, with a mixture of cultures. Because I, as far as I understand, I might be wrong. In the United States, it was more of like a pushing aside the Native Americans and then building your own societies mm. within the communities. And in Mexico, we had a lot of mix mixing. Still, there were mm. the communities, but it was thought also that it was a better way to like evangelize. Um, yeah. by become making them become part of the family but it still was very marked the difference right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um so going back to what i was speaking originally about the chichimecas were a very territorial kind of nomadistic lifestyle so yeah. they used to travel this of land um which other cultures other indigenous cultures knew it was theirs but didn't really didn't really have this involvement it was a later um group of indigenous because i think people usually when they hear of indigenous groups in mexico they think they're all in the same time period historically yeah when it's I, not no, really like that it yeah. was kind of like an evolution like olmecs and toltecs are some of the most ancient cultures and then the aztecs and those were later and chichimecas were one of like the latest groups um mm -hmm. so it was a very they didn't have like this complex urban creations such as the Aztecs used to have, right? Like we have the yeah. big city of Tenochtitlan, which is now Mexico City. Um, yes, they yeah. didn't have this. They, they had more like uh, caves and paintings and hollowed stones and spearheads, more like what one would think traditional indigenous groups to have. Yeah. And, but really the settlers pushed them aside when they created their communities, um, especially because they were trying to protect themselves from all of this context of the Spanish Inquisition. Yeah. So they were trying to make like their own cities uh, protected from outsiders in general, to the point in, and to which we historically still are known as, um, to have a um, very close, neat communities. It's very hard for people who are foreigners to um actually belong in the society of what today is monterrey like right now not as much but it's still very ingrained within the culture to be a very close-knit community yeah. actually monterrey um is uh, it has a lot of municipalities or small towns around it okay so if you see a picture of monterrey you will see like this big sparse of land which is a huge city but it's actually many cities come together. So you have San Pedro, you have um, Monterrey, you have Santiago, which is a little further away. You have Garcia, you have Santa Catarina, which, but Monterrey is the main city in the very center. Actually, okay. I, I believe the first city near this area in Nuevo León, if I do not recall, if I correctly recall, it was Allende, I think, which is closer to a river. Which, okay. I mean, it's kind of logical, historically speaking, that closer to the river, yeah. it's where people would settle. And they consider yeah. themselves the first settlers in Nuevo León. Um, but Monterrey, which is currently the capital, is where a lot of the community grew. And further, for example, right now, if you go to Monterrey, they still have a synagogue. They still have a very close-knit people who still follow the Jewish tradition. But they're a minority right now when we all come from those groups of people. Um, yeah, one of the things I was looking into, especially when you told me about the whole um, Jewish community down there and, and all that, another thing I think that, at least for me, 
when I think of, because I think most of Americans have at least heard of the words Spanish Inquisition, but anytime I'm always thinking of it, I'm thinking of, you know, over there in Europe. Mm -hmm. I'm not thinking of on my side of the world, right? So I look, that was one of the things that popped up, like the Spanish Inquisition down there in, in Mexico. I'm like, whoa, what is this? Um, <laughs> and one of the things that caught me off guard, and, and I sent it to my wife, and we were like, whoa, was one of, I guess, because like you said, you know, they were trying to hide and trying to conform to uh, continue their faith, uh, you know, inside their homes or whatnot. So out and about, they would, you know, portrayed being Catholic and all that kind of stuff. Um, but one of the things that they would, I guess, accuse or, or find supposed Jewish people and, you know, do what the Inquisition did, you know, mm -hmm. um, was, and th the weird one was, if you bathe on a Friday and put on clean clothes, you were late, that, that was like cause for concern for them and you were, you know, captured tortured and and every you know all that stuff and I, that just caught me off guard i was like that that mm -hmm. like is there a a history or, or not not a history um like a oh, reason it's, why it's they kind of related to the shabbat like it's kind of related to the shabbat we know that jewish people in the shabbat they usually it's a day of rest, right? So usually okay. there's no work. Um, I don't know if you've seen... There's a very, very good... Um, I don't remember if it's a movie or a series because I saw it in one sitting. Mm -hmm. I think it's a series called Unorthodox on Netflix. I mean, it's from a completely European perspective, but it's a very conservative uh, Jewish tradition displayed and shown on TV in a way that I think wasn't really seen before. Usually when we see Jewish culture or things related in, um, in Jewish culture in like mainstream media, it has to do with World War II. And yes. this one is more modern view of um, a Jewish community, an Orthodox Jewish community. I believe it was in New York. And then this girl who's from this very conservative Jewish community goes to leave to Europe and sees like this whole other side of what it implies to be yourself, no? Yeah. And... Um, how the Shabbat is portrayed as this is a day of rest and mm -hmm. usually it has a lot to do with purity and keeping yourself pure and stuff like that so how this is usually portrayed from Friday to Saturday the Shabbat every single week it was kind of like this Jewish tradition that it was very great so even if you were no longer practicing the Jewish tradition maybe you already had the custom of bathing yourself on Fridays yeah. and like keeping clean and stuff like that so it was very ingrained within the community, even if they okay. didn't say that something um, outwardly Jewish and like you didn't yeah. have all of this elements that would uh, relate you to being Jewish, there's this mm -hmm. small practices that you keep in your day-to-day -day life that you don't really think like, oh, this is because we belong to this certain community. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because like nowadays with like, yeah, of course you're going to bathe and then put on clean clothes. Not yeah, just like right now it's day. super common to bathing every single day, yeah. especially because we have plumbing. Yeah. But like back in the so. day, to have a shower, to bathe yourself, well, you had to bring water from the river and prepare things like that. So it was different practice, especially because considering that, well, Spanish people, especially like all latin emanating people so like french people um spanish people all of those cultures portugal they didn't have this custom of actually bathing every day 
it uh, it is something not very um latin <laughs> for saying all this was that back in the 1500s so yeah i'm pretty sure there was quite a few people that weren't bathing every day like we do that's for sure mm -hmm. <laughs> um but one of the things i was looking into coming back to the modern day of what we have now down there in monterey is y'all are i think it said number three like when you're you're when your biggest um, economies or manufacturers, you got a, a big steel uh, producing thing down there that there's a lot yes. of like, and then y'all apparently famous for your beer. We're very famous for our beard. It's worldwide known. Yeah, so I, I, mean, I don't like beer, so I, that's not <laughs> something I know. But I looked at that because I was like, you know, what is Monterey famous for? And one of the things that popped up was their beer. And I was like, okay, like I'm thinking Modelo or, you know, Dos Equis. And it was um, Tecate? Tecate, yes. Okay, okay. Boom, I'm good. I'm not that bad. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I was looking at the, your, your steel production is apparently really, really um, a, a, a driving force in your economy there. Your beer. Well, it used to be more than it is right now. Yes. The beer definitely yeah. is steel. Um, the steel used to be around, what, I think 100 years back, around yeah. 160 mm -hmm. kind of years back. We have this very big place called Fundidora, which literally translates to, like, the place where you melt, like, the okay. melting place. Yeah. And right now it's a park. Like, really? because oh, the, yeah. I saw that you can like. It's zip a huge, beautiful park, and yeah, the, currently where we had the oh, how do you call it in English? I think it's furnace. A furnace, furnace? like where where you melt, like yeah, furnace, yeah, a furnace. Um, right now the biggest one, which is was um, furnace number three or Orno Tres, how we know it in Spanish. It's actually a museum, an interactive museum. So you can go inside and actually see the melting pots and like where people yeah. used to blow the fire. And that's one of the leading things that made the economy in Monterey boom to the level yeah. it went. Right now it's currently out of business completely. We no longer melt yeah. things here, but we do have a lot of factories. And it was one of the reasons why a lot of families in Monterey became very wealthy. And thus began other industries, such as the beer industry, which we're very famous for. We have <laughs> Cerveceria Cuauhtémoc, we have Modelo, we have... Currently, Heineken has offices really? here in Mexico, and we're the ones who bottle their beers for okay. all the American distribution. Um, so we have that, which is pretty amazing. Actually, there's a street, if you go through it, called Cuauhtémoc, like from Cerveceria Cuauhtémoc, Cerveceria okay. means like beer brewing place, um, <laughs> I think. So um, if you go through that street, just like at the very end, um, where middle up, like the center of the city, downtown the city is meeting outskirts of the city, you mm -hmm. actually go through the brewing uh, places. So you see these huge things that are brewing beer all day long. Actually, there was a crisis right now with um, coronavirus and all that because yeah. all the business had to stop for a time. So a lot of beer companies said like, okay, we'll stop delivering beers to convenience stores because we're not producing it, right? Yeah. And so the day they ordered that they were already delivering again um, all types of alcohol, but particularly beer, there were mile-long uh, 
queues of people really? to like buy beer because here it's like tequila is from Jalisco, from Guadalajara. Like okay. Mexico is generally known for tequila, but yes. that's like further in the center, like near Guadalajara. Actually, there's a town called Tequila Jalisco. That's where tequila comes from. Okay. Uh, and like Mexico City has more like mezcal, which is essentially tequila, yeah. just not from Jalisco. And we have beer. <laughs> and they were just ready for the gig of some of that beer, huh? And we also have very good mineral water, which we're also oh, famous for. Okay. Yeah, that was one thing. Um, they all have that mile-long, like, man-made river. Oh, yes. Santa Lucia. Um, yeah, yeah. Within the Cundidora Park. Yeah, and I, I'm looking at another picture right here. It's it's a building. It's next to a tall building, but it looks like an egg on its side. Um, I think that is um, Pabellon M. Uh, it's huh? Like, M Pavilion. That's a show center. It's actually very new. Like, five years, six years ago it opened. But okay. it's one of the biggest venues to go. For example, we just recently had um, a production of Cats, the musical. Yeah, with, okay. like, internationally known singers and very big concerts holding their... Actually, Fundidora, the the where we're, the place where uh, we used to melt all this um, steel and all this sort of me heavy metals, right now it's very well known for having international music festivals. So, really? actually, right now we're very depressed because Pal Norte got cancelled, which is one of the biggest because of coronavirus. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. we have huge artists comics we had Billie Eilish we've had um yeah. all sorts of famous people from around the like it's the equivalent to Coachella but over here yeah I <laughs> like, got you I got in you. all aspects all right well that's that's really cool I mean for it, like I, I'm gonna take some of these photos and put them in the video so it'll pop up so people know like the hell what we're talking about <laughs> yeah like an egg building was look at me like you'll see it. they'll be in there don't worry <laughs> But so if correct me if I'm wrong, because I might have uh, heard you wrong. You said you're studying law. Yes. OK. Um, so if you don't mind. I don't mind at all. <laughs> all right. What what got you into doing law? Like, like what I'm assuming that's a driving force to something has to push you that way. To that's a wonderful a question because I love my like career. <laughs> OK, so. Actually, studying law is very different, studying law in Mexico than studying law in the United States, because mm -hmm. in the United States, you have to go to college and then pursue a law degree. Okay. Um, going to law school in Mexico is just after high school. So okay. also, like, medical school in Mexico is also, like, a whole career. You don't go to college for that. You go directly to medical school. So... It's a choice, like, instead of doing a history major, because we don't have majors or minors here, we have, like, directly bachelor's degrees. Um, so okay. this, the school system is very different. Yeah. And what's something that drives me a lot is human rights, like, particularly very specifically human rights. So that has been my passion, like, forever. I love cultures and I love history and I've always participated in MUN debates, international debates. I've been to Dallas, I've been to Harvard University, I've been to sure. Paris, France to debate. Um, and it was such sort of like a natural decision for me saying, well, I want to become a lawyer, I want to study law. Because I've always loved to argue, I've always loved talking, I almost never shut up. Yeah. And um, it, it has to do a lot with how 
people behave and how society responds to things. Like, why do we obey most of the time general laws? Like, there is very strict laws. Like, you will not commit homicide. You will not kill people. And that's yeah. something very logic. Most people usually follow through. But there's also like, why would a person run a red light but not murder someone if those are rules created by the same community, right? Yes. And all of that study of how humanity works and how society works and having just a fairer world and a more just system is what drives me behind. So that's, it's kind of like the consist way of stating it. No, I, hey, I, I agree with all that. Because I know up here with everything going around, I have talks with friends about certain stuff. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't know if y'all, like, watch the news of what's going on up in our neck of the I'm woods. very aware of what's going on in the United States, yes. <laughs> no, it's actually pretty interesting because the law system in the United States is based on common law, right? Like, all your system comes from England, so you have all these yeah. precedents and the courts play this very important key role in how you understand the rules of society and uh, you're also divided in feather like you're also federation we're also federation so even though our systems are kind of similar we have civil roman law so all of our system is kind of based from france we have um we are more based on the written law than on what the judges say so for us the priority is what's written down more than the precedent Mm. which is very confusing sometimes when you're comparing how the both systems work because they're naturally born from different places um or ours is more french and yours is more british in the sorta which is logical of course because of how both countries were created mm -hmm. but yeah. a lot of mexico was inspired it was first the united states independence movement and then the french revolution so Mexico, when they when we got our independence was 18, like 1810, it's when it started and we got it in 1821. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the values that we recollected were both from the American independence movement, but also from the French Revolution. So we mixed them up when the French kind of tried to create their own system, inspiring themselves a little bit on the American independence movement, because it was the first one. And so for example, when we see the United States, we know the United States of America as a whole, right? And it's a whole issue because everyone in America is always angry when they say, like, we're Americans. It's like, we're all Americans. You're the United States and all that fight, right? But it's yep. also funny because actually Mexico, the official name of the country, is the United States of Mexico. Really? Yes. And a lot of people do not know that. I learned so we're much also today. Federation. Wow, so, I did not know that. So how you have like your state laws, we also have our state laws, which is something that doesn't happen in other European countries, which have yeah. regions, but have like the central government, right? So for example, if you go, the very typical way of saying it, how, for example, gay marriage in the United States was also a state thing. It's also a state thing here and people see it like other countries see it very weirdly because they say like, well, it's a country thing, right? Like, how could you get married in, I don't know, New York, but not in Texas? I mean, yeah. I know right now the Supreme Court already ruled it over and everything, but mm -hmm. it's the same in Mexico. Like, why could you get married in Mexico City, but not in Nuevo León or not in yeah. another state? 
And so seeing we usually do study a lot of the social issues going on in the United States, such as the Black Lives Movement that you have right now, or everything that's happening with people, for example, denying to wear a face mask. Exactly. So all of the social changes are very relevant because we kind of work in a similar way. So they are a lot of case studies that we use to understand how the system works as a general from an outsider's perspective and then from the insider's perspective as the Mexican example. Which is pretty cool. Yeah, that, I never thought of it that way. I mean, I don't really think of anything Mexican besides food every now and then. But <laughs> People usually see Mexico and they're like Cinco de Mayo. Either that, yeah, for sure. Um, that's interesting, though, for, for real. So, okay, if, if we're going to, I kind of want to stay on this topic, if that's all right. Yeah, and of course. Probably while everyone who was watching was like, oh, yeah, he's talking about food and, and cool tourist spots. Yeah, you know, I can stick around for that. Oh, crap. Now we're going to talk about the differences of Mexico and America. <laughs> oh, I'm getting out now. So, <laughs> so but it's stuff I, I love to learn. Um, with that, from since you you said you've been up in, in in the states, you know, with you know various debates and all that, and studying law, I'm sure, just like you just said, you'll look at what we do compared with what you guys do, and trying to I'm assuming find a common ground possibly. What would you say? Two questions. First one: What would you say in terms of law? Um, is one of the biggest similarities? Oh. Well, I think the, the biggest similarities in law, there is actually not many. I think the evolution of law in itself, it's very similar because mm-hmm. Mexico, Mexico just loves, like we do have our own institutions, but it loves copying institutions from other countries. Okay. So, but understanding institutions such as like, the marriage institution or the historic institution, not like institutions such as the Supreme Court, which we do have a Supreme Court as well as every country. But, and the way that rights or social movements go in the United States, it's very similar historic-wise with Mexico. I think it has to do with, because we're both colonies originally. Mm-hmm. So, for but... A very marked difference, like, yes, we're colonies and we're both federations. So I, I believe that government system is very similar. Okay. Even if our law system is different, we have also a president. And then we have a Senate and um, how's the other name in English? Like yes. two chambers, a legislative double chamber yeah, um, organization. Yes, a Congress divided into chambers. We also have mm-hmm. that. We have the same division of power that comes from the French theory, um, which is a three division of power in legislative, executive, and judicial. So we have a very similar structure. However, one of the biggest difference I would say we have, which makes us completely different states, is how the Federation was created and how our constitutions are written. So... We have the same values, essentially, within the Constitution of human rights, equality, freedom, all that aspect. But, for example, the U.S. Constitution is very small compared to the Mexican one. Mm -hmm. 
Really? So the Mexican Constitution has over a hundred articles, and it's very specific. That's why it's very constantly reformed. However, the American Constitution is very general and smaller, yeah. so it has amendments, but mm. very specific and punctual generalized amendments that mm. allow your judicial power to interpret. Whereas yes. we have very specific and marked rules of what the government can and cannot do, which are constantly being reformed. So that marks a very big difference. And also the fact that, for example, in the United States, you were originally 13 colonies that decided mm -hmm. to come together in a union. And mm -hmm. Mexico was a whole Nueva España that decided to divide itself into different federations. Okay. So Where it's like an inverse process. I am learning a lot today, but that is definitely one thing I see, especially going on around right now up here, is like laws will be or laws that are in place. There's, you know, this group, there's, there's a group of people that are like, what's the law? You got to follow it. And yes, I mean, technically, that's true. I understand laws a law. Cool. But then you got the other folks are like, well, that law is wrong, like it's immoral, unethical. And that's true, too. Like, I'm not going to go into specifics, but pretty sure it's not hard for you to figure out what I'm talking about here. Yes. You know, and like you just said, you know, we have a lot of amendments in ours. And you, you guys, you said you y'all reform yours every now and then as well. And that's how it happened. That's how it like nothing. No law from 100 years ago really stands the time. In, in modern modern history, we always like, whoa, that, that doesn't make any sense. No, let's get rid of that. We change it up. We adopt it, modernize it, you know, and, and there, there's definitely, I'm sure it's, it's, it's going to constantly be a thing, especially as, you know, time goes on. We're going to uh, um, grow as a, as a country. It's constantly changing. It's constantly changing. But because, yeah, what's currently a law is a law. You got these people that you got to follow. You got to do this. You got to do that. But what that is, is insanely unethical, you know, immoral and way backwards. And it will only benefit the country and everyone as a whole if you would just, you know, change it up a little bit. Make That's it a little actually better. a social theory. That's a very interesting social theory that exists. I, I currently do not remember who said it, but it's basically the governing dictatorship of the deceased. So how we live with the values and what was decided upon by our ancestors, right? Yeah. Like a constant yeah. dictatorship of what it was considered good and righteous before. For example, before in the United States, sla slavery was legal. Yeah. Mexico had slavery legalized for a very small amount of time compared to the United States. Because actually Spain, while we were still a colony, made it illegal. So mm -hmm. when we became our own country, we already didn't have slavery. When, okay. Whereas in the United States, when you became your own country, slavery was still legal. And so okay. that be becomes this fighting between the Federation and the Union, right? Mm -hmm. Over here, it did not happen like that. However, we did have a caste system, which was what I was explaining of the social differences according to whether you yes. were born where and which mm -hmm. is... Not very much a kind of a, it's more of an 
ethnic, socio-economical related kind of discrimination more than a race-based currently, because right now we do not have that distinction more than like white Mexican or indigenous person, but okay. most, the majority of Mexicans are an in-between mix of both. Mm -hmm. So what we see is a very marked colorized difference between higher income communities which are much light skin like much more light skinner than darker skin communities that are suffering from injustices within a socio-economical system more m more ingrained and racialized than for example we would see in the united states in the united states it's more of a stereotype kind of thing a violence kind of thing the people that would assume that an African-American or a black person is more likely to be violent when it's not the case. Mm -hmm. Over here, it's more assumed than a darker skinned person will be of a lower socioeconomical standing point than could really be the case. So yeah. those are kind of like the differences of how the countries, I believe, work made to come in itself. For example, I am from Monterey. I'm very fair-skinned. I'm very light-skinned. Even though I have very curly hair, most people, a lot of people have curly hair here, but there's also very blonde people, blue-eyed people. It's very yeah. common in Monterey to see very light-skinned people. And it's also because we have this Jewish ascendancy. So it's usually assumed that people in here with fairer skin will fare off better no, than other racial or ethnic groups. Whereas if you go further south, for example, Oaxaca or Yucatan, people are have more indigenous traces because mm. the co colonial set settlers didn't really go into those areas. Yeah. The communities grew by themselves. So there's a very different, like a very marked different treatment, which is spoken about, but people tend to try to ignore yeah. here. I think we still have a lot to go with that. That's why I think it's very inspiring for different groups in Mexico right now, seeing, for example, the Black Lives Matter movement, right, that you have going on in the United States right now, because it's fighting for what's fair, at least as I see it, and for justice, it's something very scary, for example, for from a Mexican standpoint, and seeing, for example, we had all this huge violent period, right, in 2010, 2011, I remember having um shoot down drills at school where we had to hide because the narco violence and the narco war was very was a very big thing here and people usually from the united states they assume like they think of mexico and they say oh no but it must be dangerous traveling to mexico and mexicans actually fear a little when they go to the united states as well because over there it's legal to carry weapons and here yeah. it's not so like yeah. most weapons that people like illegal groups here have are actually obtaining the United States oh, yeah. by these oh, legal yeah. groups and they bring them over. For sure. And so that's kind of like the impression, like the inverse impression that people mm -hmm. have. Like Mexicans believe going through the United States a little bit more dangerous, even though it's more safe because technically you can walk alone at night, but at the same time it's like stay away from a mall or a big area because there could be a shooting. When over yeah. here, like when I think about all those aspects, for example, currently I like I'm on TikTok, right? I see a lot of TikToks and most of my algorithm because I speak English and the algorithm kind of like it recommends things on what you interact. So I see a lot of American content on my feed and you see all these kids talking about like the shooting drills or how they've experienced this sort of violence. And I remember my time in middle school and how much fear you feel at that. 
yeah. that it's kind of like we are more similar than we're different mm -hmm. and people tend to just like see the differences when we're actually both coming from colonies just very different aspects of a colony because the British um, kingdom kind of the British crown had a different way to colonize than the Spanish crown and we have different languages but mm -hmm. other than that it's really the same history I mean yeah from, from what you're saying and what I've learned today so far there are a, a lot more sim a lot more similarities than I ever thought that's mm -hmm. for, I'll definitely say that a lot more similarities than I, than I ever uh, put together before um, yeah I, I, I think in, in, in what you just said about you know we'll see generally you know Americans will see Mexico as dangerous and, and Catholic tequila <laughs> that kind of stuff like party um, but like beware of the narcos <laughs> yeah um, I, I think I think a, a good a, a piece of that definitely is obviously I'm American I mean I think that's an arrogant aspect of America is we'll look at another country and because we grew up and all we hear is we're the best, we're the best, we're the best. And in a lot of cases, hey, you know, we got money, we got, you know, military, all that kind of stuff. All right, yeah, whatever, cool. Um, so we'll look at other countries like, but they don't got this. They don't got that. They don't, we got it, we got it, we got it, we got it. And it's, it's, it's a blind eye and just straight arrogance sometimes that I think is really getting annoying for sure. <laughs> and I, it, it seems like more people are noticing that nowadays, especially with, you know, you talk about the Black Lives Matter and people weren't really speaking up on issues like that. Like me, I'm from South Carolina. I'm from the South um, of America. Anyways, um, I, being white, I'd never experienced racism, like, personally, but being in the South, I saw it plenty, mm -hmm. you know, and so. And it's something everyone is aware is happening, like, in here it happens as well, but nobody wants to talk about it because it's uncomfortable, and it brings up delicate topics that people don't want to talk about, but need to be talked about in order to order yeah. to fix them. I think that's one of the aspects why, why what I love about my career, like studying law, because yeah. it basically it's talking about the difficult issues to talk about, right? Like it, it's what rules society. And yeah. what you were saying um, some time ago about some laws being fair or unfair mm -hmm. is completely true. There is a yeah. thing as a legal law, which was created with it, all its due process and was approved by the Congress, was approved by the Senate, was sealed by the president and published for people to know and follow. But then there's a thing such as a legitimate law, a law that is morally good, because having laws is not really a measure for morality. And people sometimes, I don't know if it's more like um, a social laziness we have as a culture, like we're allowed to do whatever is not forbidden to do. And if it's not explicitly forbidden because it's a difficult topic to discuss or because it's generally forbidden in an aspect that if I do it subtly, I will get away with it. Mm. For example, discrimination and racism. That's obviously against 
both our constitutions, both mm. the Mexican and the American constitution, clearly state that there should be no discrimination. However, how we see all these microaggressions or how they come to be, they generate this large-scale problem that technically is illegal, but you cannot really pinpoint, like, if I sit on a bus and scutter away and grab my bag because someone I deem to be stereotypical or that I might fear for saying, for lack of a better word, that's a microaggression and that's a way of showing that you do not actually believe you're both equal. And that is stated within our society. And sometimes we want to be blinded by it because then people, for example, when we want to talk about privileges, right? Like all of these social movements have to do with the debate of whether you're privileged or not. And people tend to think that when people say that white people are privileged, for example, if I go to the United States, I would be considered a Latina. I would be mm-hmm. considered white. However, in Mexico, I'm considered white because in here there's no distinction between Latino and non-Latino because we're all Latinos, right? Okay. And because Latino is an ethnicity, not a race. Correct. So in here, I'm part of the privileged group. Mm-hmm. I go to private school, which is a very big privilege within the community. So saying that we have privileges as a community, as a white community, or as a higher income community, or as whatever level, doesn't say that our life is easy. It just says that it isn't made harder because of natural aspects within ourselves. So it's not to say that we don't have issues or that we don't have problems that we can overcome. It's to say that those problems we have, it's not because of our skin color. It's not because of where we were born. It's not because um, for being a man or a woman, for example, because there's also the issue with gender discrimination. So it's a lot of complex issues piling up within very mixed communities, such as the American community and the Mexican community, where we have all this flourishes of cultures, sometimes ingrained, sometimes very visible, sometimes not as visible, such as the Jewish community in Monterrey, which is rarely speaked of, but Mm -hmm. that affect how we socially work as a community. I like that. I like that. Well, one thing for sure, I don't want, this is, we're almost going on an hour here. I enjoyed the hell out of this talk. Me too. Um, if you ever, I'm just going to if you ever want to get on and, and do another one and more talk about laws and the differences and whatnot, I'd be 100% down for that. Because um, that's one thing I noticed when I started my podcast, it was just for fun, just to talk random, crazy stuff. And then everything happened up here. And I was like, I got to do something. <laughs> you know, I, I, I can't do a lot, but I got to do what I can do. So I st- it started to lean more in, in, you know, trying to make a change as best I could. But then I got into this whole other cultural stuff. And I'm like, this is this is really, really fun. Um but yeah, if you'd be down at some point to get on and continue this talk, that'd be great. I'd love to anytime. All right. Well, I'll, I'll give you the uh, last word. Um, if you want to say in, any other thing to anybody out there, floor is well, yours. Pretty much to just don't believe stereotypes as a whole. <laughs> Communities okay. are very diverse. Not all Mexicans are party margarita sombrero. <laughs> 
And that's not like, yes, it's an aspect of Mexican culture, yes. but it's not all of the Mexican culture. We're a very mixed um, group. We're a very diverse group um, in general. It's all very different. If you go to Cancun, you still have a lot to learn about Mexico. Yeah. Um, we have more similarities than we have differences with the United States, even mm -hmm. if we neither of us would like to admit it. And, um, <laughs> And pretty much it's that, just learning that our differences don't have to make us that much different. It just makes us unique in a very particular way and within more diversity. And the more we know about our histories, our cultures, how our societies work as a whole and why they work that way and how we came to be how we are, we can make a better community understanding the values that we have hold for centuries pretty much and why we hold them yeah i, I think with definitely because like you just said not all mexicans are partying tequila cancun and all that kind of stuff not all americans are arrogant and me 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 you know? exactly um, I, I i think one thing that everyone strive to be is definitely more open-minded like you said to other people other cultures other aspects of what you don't have to agree with whatever that is but I mean, learn as long to as live with our differences exactly there's no reason to hate people for for stuff like that it's, it's never made any sense and it's it's not going to help anybody in the long run um whether you like it or not we are in this together um I, I appreciate you, Isabella. Um, I'm going to get with you after this, and anything you want me to link in the description will be down there. Are you currently, like, a lawyer, or are you still studying? I, I'm still studying. I would be the equivalent on what the United States is known as a paralegal, but it's more like an internship okay. because okay. I can exercise. I just cannot go to a court, for example. Like, I cannot right. stand in front of a court, but I have... Studying law in Mexico, it's a four and a half year career, kind of co going to college, like it would mm -hmm. be kind of the equivalent. So yeah. I'm finishing up my fourth year, pretty much. Okay. Um, so I've already worked, most of my studies, if you haven't realized by now, has been on international law. And okay. so yeah, seems like it. It's, it's very, um, I have worked mostly in companies, seeing international deals and how these cultures have to work together to understand different legal systems and to make it work in Mexico. Makes so, sense. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, I do practice. I'm currently in a company, but actually tomorrow is my last day in that company. And I'm going to start working in the judicial power starting this Thursday. So, All right, cool. Well, if any incoming Mexican company or international company go to Monterey, look up Isabella. She'll get you right. I appreciate it. Gladly. <laughs> Thank you very much for having me here. All right. You take care. You too.